you're listening to the Careers BU podcast, a podcast aimed at Bournemouth University students and graduates. Each episode, we talk to employers, alumni and professionals all about their career journey, what employers are looking for and help you explore the opportunities that are available to you. Hello and welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Amanda Fripp, Careers Advisor at Bournemouth University. In today's episode, I chat to Oliver Storey, the Managing Director of Cold Banana. Cold Banana is a tech agency that develops .NET web and mobile platforms for clients. In this episode, Ollie talks about the landscape of the tech industry and skills required, the opportunities at Cold Banana, and how graduates can stand out in the application process. Hi, Ollie. Welcome to the episode. Um, can you just introduce yourself and your role to me, please? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm Oliver Story. Um, I'm the managing director at Cold Banana. I'm a very technical person uh, from a development and coding background. I've always been uh, very interested in the technical side of things. So I like to classify myself as a as a technical MD rather than a sales MD or an, a financial MD. But yeah, that's me. And and I'm a local person as well. So I'm from Bournemouth. Uh, I've always been in Paul and Bournemouth my whole life. Oh, wow. What school did you used to go to? Uh, Paul High. Ah, you're a Paul High student. It should be good to find out about your journey. But before we talk about that, so you work, you're managing director of Cold Banana. So what is Cold Banana? What what do you guys do? What services do you provide? Yeah, of course. Um, so we're a .NET web and app development agency creating digital platforms for brands, um, but also we do a lot of work with agencies. So we do a lot of white labeled development work for um, other agencies. We are a very technical brand. So we don't do any uh, marketing services or any UX services or you know, SEO services. Really, we are just in there for the programming and all the, the nerdy, complicated stuff is sort of our MO. Um, we do website builds. So a lot of the stuff that we do is, is website builds and we predominantly build off of the back of a CMS or a content management system. There's a few that we use in particular, which is Embraco, Sitecore, uh, Optimizely, and Kentico, which are the, the four sort of staples to what we do. But we also do bespoke web solutions and APIs. Uh, a lot of our clients will come to us and they've got quite uh, complex challenges that they need some expertise on and fitting an off-the-shelf product, uh, off product or, or CMS into their requirements isn't always the best fit. So we, we end up building quite a few bespoke bits of technology for, for different clients that we're working with. Excellent. Can you tell me about any of those clients that you work with? What sort of brands and clients do you have? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, I think a big local one is Condor Ferries. Um, so they have been a client for probably five or six years now at least. And um, we do all of their sort of development, essentially all of their um, development for the technical uh, booking engine, but also for the, the front-end brochure website, which is where they get all their traffic and how they engage people and bring people in to eventually go and book uh, through the platform. Uh, we have Crufts, which is the dog show. Uh, so Crufts is, a, is an amazing client for us. They do uh, 4 million uh, tr- uh, visitors to their website in the Crufts dog show weekend. So we've got to manage all that traffic and make sure that the site can scale and and handle everything without without any problems and without any issues. So that's another exciting client that we've got uh, that we work with. We've done a few bits for football clubs. So we've done a few bits for 
um, for Spurs Football Club and um, Southampton, I think was the other the other football club that we've done in the past, and National Grid. Uh, so we did a piece of work for the National Grid about five years ago now, actually, um, building out a, a sort of internal learning software for all their staff and bringing up all their staff to speed on on the internal processes and uh, they had little like courses and certifications that they could go through and complete and check off as as part of that so yeah we've we've done quite a lot of, of different bits uh, not particularly industry focused i mean we don't specialize in a in a certain industry i think we've started to work a lot with with builders merchants so we're doing a lot of work with timco at the moment which is a huge um builders merchants brands based in crew uh, sort of in, in the middle of the uk but um they've got they've got all sorts of, of complex and exciting problems that we're that we're doing lots of projects with so cool and the name cold banana where did that come from uh so cold banana it's because we are so technical unfortunately we didn't start the business with a marketing person so it's the lamest story um, it doesn't really have much of a background but uh the owner luke so i'm on the md but the uh, business owner luke is the ceo he needed the name he needed to set up a company because he had clients and and he um needed to invoice them basically and really liked funky pigeon really liked moon pig and i think it was about that time where all the adverts were centralized around those two brands and so he just went onto a, a name generator and, and span it and found <laughs> cold banana eventually so yeah it's a pretty lame story but i think it's just testament to, to who we are we're very technical and and we're not very creative so but you know what i think it works and i think sometimes it shows that actually it doesn't always matter yeah, you know, sometimes it does, but it doesn't always matter what name. Yeah, you, yeah, you've completely. Got, you know, it does does work. And um, am I right in saying so? Luke is the founder. Did Luke study at Bournemouth University? Yeah, Luke's an alumni. Yeah, I don't know when he graduated. And he'll, he'll be pleased that I can't tell you that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he's an alumni. Um, does a lot of work with the uni. Loves the uni. So excellent. Can you tell me a little bit about your background then? How did you get into this type of role? What sort of educational background did you come from? Uh, yeah, of course. So. I mean, like I said earlier, I've, I've always been a very technical person. Um, I wasn't the best student, but I was always good at maths and sciences. Um, hated doing homework, but for some reason, I just loved computer science. And anytime we had any computer science projects or homework, I'd always go the extra mile and I'd always, you know, try and get things in, which weren't necessarily part of the, the spec or the requirement for, for what I need to do. But I just really loved it, basically. I think... I enjoy being creative and I enjoy building things, but I'm not good at typical creative things. I'm not good at drawing. I'm not good at music. I'm absolutely rubbish, but mm. I've always been good at like, I used to love Lego as a kid, for example. So I think just building things with very logical steps and processes has always been very appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got into software. I was in hospitality so I was, a, I was a waiter in a restaurant and I was a landscaper uh, doing some landscaping jobs. And I found a apprenticeship, a degree apprenticeship leaflet whilst I was doing a landscaping project and applied for that, got the apprenticeship. And that was about seven and a half years ago at Colpenana. Um That was a degree level apprenticeship. I didn't end up finishing. I ended up quitting because work just took over and um, I was learning so much more on the job than I was at my 
uh, apprenticeship provider in, in, in education. So I ended up just quitting and, and finishing early and taking on this career, basically, and starting out my journey. Oh, wow. So the, the apprenticeship was with Cold Banana, but you just, so you carried on working with them, but you just didn't complete the qualification part Yeah, of it. I just didn't finish the qualification. I think it, it came to a decision where it's like, well, I've already learned everything that's on the syllabus for the next six months. Do I waste all of that time trying to just put it onto paper and, and get the degree or just cancel and, and spend my time actually honing my skills and doing it on the job, which was, was a bit of a risk looking back mm. at it, but yeah, it has paid off. So it worked okay for you in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not advice I'd usually give. Yeah. yeah but, don't, uh, don't go quitting your degrees, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, so you, you know, didn't kind of go through the, the route that maybe a lot of the listeners are listening, who are listening to us in terms of, you know, university study your degree and then get a job but obviously you're in a really great position now yeah that's correct and I think that's an important point actually is even though I didn't go through the route I still value people that have degrees and you know getting into digital getting into tech especially like I've been working with a lot of placements at the moment and trying to look at getting placements in I think there are so many applicants that you need to have something which stands out from the rest of the pool and having a degree and Mm and being a good student you know working hard on extracurricular events and getting good grades is 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 really important and it is something that I will look for when I'm when I'm hiring it's not the Mm. be all and end all I think it'd be very hypocritical for me to say that you need a degree or you need to be getting good grades to to be successful because I I genuinely don't believe that but I think it's so competitive these days that you do need to, to set yourself apart and yes it plays a vital role doing so so actually let's talk a little bit more about that then so you obviously get students um university students applying for placements um and graduate roles as well is that right so let's talk to them about about the opportunities at cold banana what types of roles what types of opportunities are there uh, yeah so we're taking both placement and graduate basically all the time um, we're always looking for graduates as well and i think it's something that we've sort of learned in the last two or three years. We've not always been good at working with the uni and getting students in and, and sort of nurturing entry level talent. But it's something that actually we've started doing and has proved very, very successful. We've had placements in from, from BU, but also from Plymouth University and some of the surrounding universities. And I think they just bring a a work ethic and an attitude which is exceptional I think especially looking at graduates they come in with so much enthusiasm whereas if you're looking at a um, person who's been in commercial for for two or three years they've potentially lost a bit of that and they've gotten stuck in their ways with how they did things at their last job or how their current employer does things so I think working with students actually been very refreshing for us and we can start to teach people and start to build on that platform that they've learned at university with the ideals that we have and our values and the way that we work so it's been yeah it's been really really good and what types of roles do they go into so we've got developer roles um so we're always hiring developers so anyone who wants to be uh, building software building apps building websites we're always taking on devs Um, otherwise we've got account manager roles so an account manager is someone who uh, builds a rapport with a client and 
nurtures a relationship. So they nurture a relationship over a sustained period of time. They're all about keeping clients happy um, and sort of increasing spend essentially for, for us as a business. Uh, project managers is another role that we hire for and we get a lot of um, applicants from the uni for project manager roles. They're organizational. So we take on these one week to, to one year projects that we've got to deliver. And a project manager does all of the um, organization for that project, making sure that everyone has tasks, know what they're working on, um, and also does all of the communication both internally to the dev team and, and the people working on that project, but also externally to stakeholders and people that you know want an update on how things are going and, um, and yeah, when things will be finished. Ultimately, we're delivering a lot of work to brands to support marketing initiatives to elevate their businesses and, and improve their businesses. So getting regular updates, getting consistent updates. So in terms of the the types of students, so you, you obviously you recruit developers, you're always looking for developers. So the sort of degrees that you would recruit from, what would they be? Um, any coding uh, degree, so any degree where you're doing coding, whether it's a computer science degree, a games tech degree. Um, I know we've had uh, employees that have come from a, a music and games tech degree in the past, so a bit of a, a mixed bag. But um, yeah, any, anyone who has exposure to the coding side of things would be the ideal candidate for our developer um, positions. But even if you don't have that as part of your degree but it's something that you're passionate about and it's something that you've built a portfolio around and it's something that you do in your spare time and you have that understanding i think we're not going to rule you out that's you know really important for us is that we're taking on people from all sorts of mm. walks of life and different education backgrounds and stuff like that so so they have to be showing that completely that real yeah. interest in the coding and skill level as well that yeah. they can actually do that and in terms of the other roles like project management, account management, do you have any specific requirements for those roles? Uh, not really. Um, so with all of our all of our roles, we look for people. Um, so we hire people first before qualifications. I, I'm a big believer in the fact that you can train people to do almost anything, but you can't train people to be people and be nice people. So we're always looking for enthusiasm. We're always looking for honesty. Um, we're always looking for positive people that come in with a smile on their face and quite optimistic. But yeah, other than that, the qualifications are a, a really, really lovely bonus on top. Um, but it's not a it's not a deal breaker if, if you don't come from one of those courses and you don't have that degree. Um, again, like I said earlier, it will set you apart if you do. And if we're only taking on one or two positions and we've got 13, 14 applicants, then of course, if you've got one of those degrees, you're going to be right at the top of that pile. So, mm -hmm. Okay. And in terms of, so let's talk about setting you apart. Now, obviously having a degree level qualification can be one point of that, but then if you will come out with the same degree, you're not setting yourself apart. So for students who maybe, say, let's talk about the technical kind of roles. So um, students who want to become a developer, they They've got their computer science degree or computing degree or a degree where they've got, they're doing coding. What else could they be doing to set themselves apart? What what have you in the past in terms of who you've recruited? You've kind of gone, oh wow, this person's really great. What have they done? Completely. Um, so I think it's really important to have a portfolio. 
So for a developer specifically, that might look like a GitHub account, which has active Git contributions, you know, public repositories where we can see some of the code that you've been writing. If you've got that in place, employers will look at it and they will review the code in there. They'll review your commit messages, your merging strategies. You know, can this person do a cherry pick? Can this person do a rebase? And also review the code and just see, right, do they structure their code in a logical way? Do they understand how this is put together? Mm -hmm. Have they left comments and made the code readable? So that is all stuff that we can access and get a really, really good gauge for that person straight away. I think I would always favor someone who has a portfolio over someone who doesn't because I, I know exactly what I'm getting myself in, into and I know exactly how to train that person when they do come on board. I know where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are, and I think it just saves a lot of time. So yeah, portfolios are incredibly important. There are a lot of communities um, and there are a lot of open source projects that people can get involved in. So when I'm looking for candidates, I'm looking for people who know how to do the role um, or have some idea of how to do the role so that I can gauge how quickly they're going to pick things up and how quickly they're going to be able to contribute to the team. So that's that's an important factor for, for the interview process. But also, if they can work in a team, that's another thing that we're looking for. So if you've if you've done a hackathon, if you've mm. contributed to a team project as part of your university, um, if you're contributing to open source repositories and you're getting involved in, you know, community backed bits of software across the globe, across the country, then those are huge selling points for for any employers that that we've got someone here who's really engaged really really likes to um, get involved with with teams of people and, and build software really passionate about what they do and I can see exactly the, the standards and the uh, uh, the standards and, and where they sit basically I can see exactly where they are so yeah open source communities and, and getting involved is, is very important to us yeah so not just obviously you know going to university doing your degree maybe stepping outside their comfort zone a little bit, getting involved in projects, the, all those sorts of things, those opportunities. And they're the opportunities that actually the university offer. You know, if you come to uni, you've got to grasp everything and and network with your local community. I would imagine, you know, building those connections can be really, really great too, can't they? Yeah, yeah, networking is very important as well. There's there's so many networking events that, that we run as a company that are run by other agencies and other businesses in the area. And I think if you see students there, you're automatically, oh, you know, they're, they're really interested. They're really passionate and you remember them. You know, that's, that's the whole point of these networking events is, is to build out a network. And if I don't have a position for you, but I've had a great conversation with you, I might be able to reach out to my network and say, oh, I've just spoke to this really great student who's looking for a design role, looking for a creative role. We don't do any creative, but this person might be great for you guys. So yeah, I think networking events and and all the extracurricular activities that uni puts on are really, really important. And um, obviously the, the kind of the tech, the digital world, it's growing at a pretty accelerated rate. It's changing all the time. How is the kind of developing, changing digital landscape affecting cold banana the services you provide or maybe how you deliver those services do you see certain changes within the digital landscape yeah completely i think the digital landscape generally is very fast-paced and we have to constantly sit right at the front of of what's happening 
and also make some assumptions around where the industry is going to go so that we can start training and developing in those areas before they become things that brands want to implement. So, I mean, accessibility and sustainability are really, really hot right now. Um, those are two key areas that we spent a lot of focus on probably like 12 months ago, 24 months ago, making sure that we understood what the guidelines were, understood you know, how to measure these things and, and how to make change. So those have become incredibly important for brands. And whenever I'm working with anyone, they're always now bringing up accessibility and sustainability more so than, than ever before. And I think that is is backed by consumer trends. So if you look at the consumer trends, they're showing that both accessible and especially sustainability is so important for, for consumers these days. Even I, I would probably assume that this is backed by a lot of the younger generation becoming more consumers and becoming part of that consumer market. Sustainability has been something that's drilled into young people from, from a very young age. So I think it's becoming increasingly important that as a brand, you have representation uh, in those areas. And so for us, we need to make sure that we are ahead of the curve and know how to make those changes before they're required. And I, mean, I think I'd be a fool to, to sit here and not mention AI today. So AI is, is completely taking over. In truth, AI has been, been around for ages. It's machine learning, which has really taken the world by storm at the moment, which is a, a subset of, of AI where a piece of software can learn, it can teach itself how to draw, how to write sentences. Uh, and that is something which is gonna play a huge impact on the digital landscape in the next five years. And what that materializes to be, no one really knows. Um, I'm guessing it will be an automation. So I think automating jobs will be a very, very important part for machine learning. So for example, um, images, right? So for an accessible image, they have to have alt text. Every image needs to have alt text for it to be an accessible image so that it can be read by screen readers and other accessibility devices. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a very manual job to go into every image that you want to upload to a website or app and add alt text describing that image. And I think a lot of people in marketing that need to put this alt text together have concerns around, right, what, what is the best alt text for this image? And that's where I see machine learning taking on a big step in the next few years is around automating some of these processes where you're actually getting the alt text read by the, by the AI and it will print that into the box for you. Not so much taking people's jobs, which I think is the immediate concern for a lot of people. But in truth, I don't really know where that's gonna, where that's gonna materialize. I think brands are very excited about the idea of automation and, and AI at the moment, but how that actually looks for, for a piece mm. of software, for especially a B2C piece of software, no one really, really knows at the moment. So mm. yeah, we just have to learn what it is. We have to learn all the theory we have to learn how to implement those things because we know that it will come. It's just a matter of when. And you look at QR codes, for example, QR codes were have been around for ages. They've been around for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, probably. I don't know, but um, they've only really taken huge application in the last two years because of COVID. You know, you, now you sit at any restaurant table and you've got a menu with a QR code and you've got a 
probably a QR code stamped on the table in some restaurants. And that's something that we've would have been completely alien to us four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think with some of this technology, it's, it's brought out and it's brought to the table, much like Web 3.0 and smart contracts last year. It's, it's announced as a huge buzz and then no one really knows what to do with the technology. And it sort of sits in a bit of a limbo for, for a few years whilst the industry sort of works out what it's going to do with these tools. Um, but yeah, that's, that's something that we need to keep on top of. And in terms of for students kind of coming into that industry, what could they be doing to prepare for this kind of ever-changing landscape, the, the, the development of machine learning? What can they be doing? Completely. I think just be passionate is, is the big thing. Be enthusiastic and be passionate. If you're not invested in AI, if you don't find it to be interesting and you don't find it to be something which excites you, the possibility of, of working with AI and, and working um, in an environment where you're building software that either interacts with an AI piece of software or is an AI piece of software in itself, if you're not interested in those things, then it will be difficult for you to stay on top of the curve. Um, it's a fast-paced landscape and being someone who is enthusiastic about learning all the new changes is very, very important. So I think, yeah, as a student preparing yourself, be enthusiastic, be passionate, um, you know, read some white papers around the potential use cases of, of machine learning in the future. Have a think about it and have a think about what you what your thoughts are on where it will go and, and how it will be used for, for customers. So that's really the only piece of advice that I can give. Um, you can start to play around with it and start to to interact with some of the code and start to build some stuff in, in AI and using AI tools. But yeah, we don't really know when that's going to be applied yet. <laughs> mm. So I guess it's staying curious, it's staying open to change. And I guess that's kind of for any job, really, because AI is going to be affecting lots of different roles, not necessarily in specifically a developer role. Um, so for any student, it's going, it's kind of being open to that and going, OK, well, how could this make my life easier? How could this possibly be integrated into my role and what skills will I need to keep on top of it? It sounds like old banana's got lots of different opportunities for Absolutely, students, yeah. which is great. Before we finish, in terms of the recruitment cycle, do you recruit at certain times of the year? Like how how does that work? Uh, we recruit all the time. Um, so we've got two offices, one in Dubai and one in the UK, and they both sort of support each other during recruitment downtime. Um, but in the UK, we, we are recruiting for devs all the time. The office is growing rapidly we've outgrown our current office and we're moving into the next one next year and where is it where's the office we're currently in the triangle and we're moving to westbourne so the new office will be in westbourne and in terms of for applying to roles do you take cvs cover letters what's that look like yeah yeah we take cvs and we've got a job advertised on the bu jobs board so we've got a bu graduate job which is tailored especially for bu graduates which i'm monitoring constantly you can also find that at our website so there's a BU graduate role um, on our website for placements we will come into the uni and we'll probably have a chat with you and for this year we've taken all of our placement applications but next year we'll be opening that up again and it'll be something that you can find both on the website and on the internal BU job sports brilliant that's great 
Well, thank you so much. It was, I mean, I find I'm not from a technical background. So, um, you know, some, some of the language you, I was like, I don't always understand what, what the tools are, but I, you know, it's really interesting to hear, um, what you, what you guys do at Cold Banana, your journey and the opportunities for students and graduates. It's been really, really great. So, so thank you so much for your time today. No, thank you. It's been great. Thank you for listening today. Please remember to subscribe and follow so you can keep up to date with all new episodes. 